I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Kit Eckel joins me now. The violinist and educator has an upcoming performance in his ongoing concert series, Jazz and the Violin. Pyatt Hall is the venue, and this Sunday, the 19th of March at 3 p.m., Lackey Sircel and his Roma Jazz Ensemble will be performing. I'll get Kit to tell us about Sircel and this series, which began with a date in February and has one more to go, Sunday, May 7th, with Mads Tolling. I'll uh, also get Kit to reflect on the history of jazz and the role the violin has played in that. It's a largely unknown or underappreciated part of the genre's history. This series had eight successful years in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area and will not only be a great history lesson but notable and not to miss what with these acclaimed international virtuosos coming to town. For over 30 years now, Kit Eckel has uh, been teaching violin as a private instructor. He received his teaching credential from the University of British Columbia and is also a certified teacher in the state of California. Visit his website, musickit.com, for tickets to the two upcoming dates, as well as more information. We spoke nearly two weeks ago. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Kit Eckel. Mr. Eckel, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So there are two concerts left in this series. Um, That's correct. Um, but well, I'd like to talk about the first one, uh, which was a couple weeks ago now. Um, the, what, did the, what did that entail? I mean, you're obviously performing with, your, with, your, with a quintet, but you're also giving um, a talk, aren't you? Yes, in, in some ways, or at least it's, uh, it's meant to, you know, I, I don't mean it to be a lecture or anything like that, but I, uh, part of the idea was to, is to have a kind of um, overview of, the, of an outlook on, on the violin's role in jazz. And uh, so the, uh, the concert went through, you know, starts kind of at the beginning of, uh, of jazz, and, and, uh, and I tried to make the case that the violin was really important right at the beginning, uh, even though there was, you know, especially in the 50s and 60s, the, the violin was kind of seen as an outsider in that idiom. Yeah, and so uh, uh, as you, you uh, have done through your, your work over the years, you, you've uh, made us, uh, I guess, um, realize that. And, and because it has been overlooked, it has been an underappreciated. Why do you think that is? Well, there, I think there are a lot of different reasons. Probably reason number one is uh, is that early on in jazz, and jazz kind of uh, really it, it spans the whole history of recording, um, that the violin didn't record very well for the first ten or fifteen years that recording was going on. Mm. Uh, the, the, the early uh, um, attempts to record it made the violin sound really thin and and, uh, and strange. And actually, there was a a violin that was invented to help overcome that. It's called the Stroh violin. That has this big, um, you know, like RCA Victor uh, 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 speaker coming out of the violin um, that that did focus it and allowed it, to, and, and a lot of early recordings were made with that, but that, uh, too, all has a very strange and metallic sound compared to uh, the, the richness of a violin. So, so the two concerts, uh, Sunday, March uh, 19th, um, and uh, Sunday, May 7th, uh, let's uh, begin with, with the show on the 19th of March. That's uh, the, the 3 p.m. At, at Pyatt Hall. Um, Lash Sursel, did I pronounce his name right? Um, it's Lackey Sursel. Lackey Sursel. I'm not familiar with Romanian. Yes, it's a hard, it it uh, doesn't come across easily there, but, but it's the, two S, the two C's are, are, are 
soft, and and he insists on being lackey. I've, some people end up saying lackey, and which has some, uh, some negative connotations, I guess. And lackey is is, uh, is his first name. And so he'll be performing uh, with the uh, Roma Jazz Ensemble. That's um, correct. It, 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 for people unfamiliar, uh, what will uh, happen in terms of of um, say? Um, the, the kinds of songs that he'll be performing. Well, uh, Leke has uh, he he, uh, we, he and I have ha- had a lot of uh, um, communication together because he was really intrigued. When he uh, he actually took my course that I was giving the SFU on the history of the violin and jazz, and he um, pointed out to me that there was a real strong connection to the uh, whole function of jazz, especially to the black community and uh, jazz in. Uh, Romania, where he was from, to the gypsy folks. Uh, mm-hmm. Gypsy not being a, a title that uh, that Roma people really like, so they, uh, he uses the, the term Roma, which it has a little bit different connotation too. And that gypsy jazz has become a a thing that refers to um, Django Reinhardt, mm-hmm. who was a, a Roma himself a, a, of a particular tribe in in Belgium, and uh, he, he and and his violinist, Stefan Grappelli, were one of the uh, first European groups to uh, to bring jazz to uh, to Europe um, and, and, and then back to America again, the, the, the first European group to have be very popular in the States. And But uh, Lackeys comes from the uh, Romanian and uh, Roma tradition and isn't uh, so much focused on straight-ahead jazz, but, jet, but Lackey has really uh, um, focused it more and more on that and, has, and does do a lot of jazz tunes at the same time also doing uh, sort of Eastern European and, and uh, Romanian uh, jazz in, yeah. uh, in the, the uh, Roma style. Yeah, I mean, that, that just sounds fascinating to be able to hear um, the, the, the violin in that context, especially in, in, in terms of jazz. You mentioned uh, Reinhardt and Grappelli. Um, when was it that, that uh, say, jazz was introduced to, to Europe? Well, um, that was is part of the uh, the thing that I do in my historic presentation. There was a, an, a a couple of amazing violinists very early on in jazz who um, were some of the first people to go over to Europe, and uh, coincidentally, one of them was named Europe, uh, James Reese Europe, uh-huh. who was uh, originally a violinist. Uh, he was a bit of a pianist as well, but he was a band leader. And um, after becoming very popular in the U.S., he and he was really uh, strongly at the same time behind um, African American music as being something different, and that uh, you know violinists and, and musicians of, of uh, African American descent would not necessarily want to be playing European uh, music. But he was really focused on the uh, syncopated jazz that was coming out, and he decided that, uh, you know, after becoming very popular as a dance band, mm-hmm. um, when World War I broke out, he um, very quickly joined an all-black regiment in New York, and they were among the first soldiers to go over to Europe, and part of his um, uh, calling was to uh, put together a, a band that played in in Europe, and they and the Europeans were just totally amazed and floored by the music. And that was probably the very first introduction of, of jazz to the European scene. And, uh, and, and uh, Europeans were incredibly intrigued by the whole thing. Um, so that, uh, 
was really an important event. The other fellow who also followed him very shortly was uh, was somebody who actually goes back even further than than he. Uh-huh. That, um, is it, uh, a fellow named um, Will Marion Cook, who was an excellent violinist in the classical tradition and studied in Europe with um, probably the finest violinist of the time, Joseph Yao Kim. And um, when he came back, he found himself uh, pretty much shut out of the of the classical scene and he uh, he very quickly too felt that uh, that that um, african american music had its own uh, strength and he uh, was one of the first to to have an all black review on broadway at the end of the tw- of the 19th century in like 1896 mm. 97 and uh, it, uh, kind of play, playing cakewalks and stuff and very quickly after europe James Reese Europe went to Europe. He also yeah. went over right after the First World War and with his band and, and uh, was very uh, big of big importance there. Um, I think that Stefan and Django first really heard and, and were intrigued by another um, white group uh-huh. that, um, that, that came out of uh, of New York uh, that was uh, that uh, featured. Um, Joe Venuti and Eddie Lang, mm. a guitarist and violinist, and it was uh, they who inspired Grappelli and Django to, uh, to to move that direction. And you mentioned Joe Venuti. I, I, it was fascinating reading about him the other night. Um, what, what was his role in terms of using strings in jazz? And, and, and one of the reasons I was also intrigued uh, by him was he, he, he uh, lived around here. He, was, was he based in Seattle at one point? Uh, at the end of his life, he was in Seattle. That's correct, yes. He's actually from Philadelphia. He and Eddie mm. Lang grew up in Philadelphia together. They were you know, childhood friends and, um, and were playing together as a a duo with various folks around, and they ended up joining the Paul Whiteman Orchestra, which uh, Paul Whiteman was at the time called the King of Jazz, but it was an all-white group. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but he was probably the first um, popular soloist um, among you know mixed audiences, among uh, white audiences uh, in North America. I you know there was a wonderful jazz violinist who I met when he was in his 90s, in Claude Williams, uh-huh. who lived in Oklahoma, and he he claims that he heard Joe Venuti playing in an outdoor pavilion when he was a, a kid, and it was hearing Joe Venuti playing the violin that inspired him to take up the instrument. So he was really a, a very uh, uh, important in those in those early times, and he and Eddie Lang were were uh, were had a huge following in in the uh, in the thirties. Eddie Lang died very young uh, uh-huh. after a tonsillectomy, of all things. But uh, um, but uh, and Joe Venuti kind of, kind of was really affected by that and didn't play for a while. But he he was kind of resurrected his career in the late forties and into the fifties. Yeah, and then right through the seventies when he he, yeah. he died. Right. Um, yeah. It was delightful to read uh, something about him that he was a, was a great practical joker as well, wasn't he? That's right. He was a uh, his. Personality, I mean, and that's the other kind of interesting thing about jazz violinists. They're the, probably the two most um, intriguing personalities in jazz were Joe Venuti, who had all these stories about the uh, um, about the outrageous uh, tricks that he would would uh, play on his bandmates and, uh-huh. and so on. Uh, the other person was um, probably 
among jazz aficionados, probably the most uh, popular jazz violinist, but who most other people haven't heard that much about, is Stuff Smith, who was also a, a, a kind of wild and crazy guy, if you will, from the 30s. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Sunday, May 7th, is, is uh, the concert with uh, Mads Tolling. Uh, yeah. That's right. And um, what what sound will, will he bring? I mean, this is a, I guess, more Nordic sound. Will it be? Well, no, not really. I mean, he's he's a, he's definitely a jazz guy. He's been around for a fair while now. I, we've become fairly good friends. I had a concert series similar to this is that I'm basically trying to resurrect here. Uh-huh. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. I, you know, I had lived in Canada for many years and went back to the Bay Area where I had grown up and started this little series there. And Mads was a, a huge draw there. But he was quite well known for having played with the Turtle Island String Quartet, with whom he uh, he received several Grammy nominations. He also, um, John Ponty called him the you know the up and coming guy and had him tour with Stanley Clark, who's one of the great bass players in the world right now. So he's done a lot of different. Uh, uh, different things, but he does come from uh, Denmark originally, mm-hmm. and was also got friendly and, and sort of had the blessing of, of another great uh, early jazz violinist, Sven Osmussen, who um, was hugely popular in Denmark and, and was noted here. Actually, Benny Goodman kept trying to hire him for his band, and uh, he had problems with uh, dealing with the immigration to, to, to do that permanently, but he did play with Benny Goodman a number of times. And his originally got known touring on uh, on, uh, on cruise boats around the North Sea with uh, Fats Waller, uh, and he he had a uh, a show that was a, a variety show in Denmark, and was a, a as much a comedian as he was a, a violinist. But but Sven Ospisen was a fabulous violinist, and, and there are some wonderful recordings of him that people can find on YouTube. And as they can find a, a video of you playing on on YouTube, I, I was delighted to to, to see some of, some of the uh, uh, not just the talks, but obviously the performances as well. Um, well what is it like, Kit, when you're in in performance in concert, and um, you, you uh, tell people of a certain song, say uh, a standard um, that was written uh, either by a violinist or specifically for, for violinists. I mean, it must be delightful to, to, to get the surprise from the audience at that point. Yeah, it is, it is uh, wonderful. I think people are kind of uh, amazed. I, I think that the violin, in some ways, I, I find that people aren't really quite as, uh, um, as prejudiced, especially in Canada, I mm, think, again, yeah. about the violin. There have been a number of, of good uh, and well-known violinists around Canada who we, we have featured in you know, I have the concert series, these three concerts you're mentioning now are are, um, are the third, fourth, and fifth actually concert in the series. I did three concerts over in uh, West Vancouver at the, uh, the K-Meek uh-huh. Art Center too and um, we did have one of the great uh, Canadian jazz violinists there, Lenny Solomon, play with us who had come up through rock and roll actually but yeah. back in the day. I I had played with a rock band here in Canada and we used to cover uh, one of his numbers with Miles and Lenny back in the in the early 70s. Um, and uh, But he was playing the, the Stefan Grappelli, Django Reinhardt style music. Um, he, he called it his hot club experience because the hot club is uh, whenever you see that name it usually refers to Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli because their group is called the hot club of France, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I do, I do think that people are kind of amazed that it is um, so much a part of the 
beginnings of jazz too. I mean, and that was amazing to me to find out when I first began discovering this because I was asking myself the same question that you are: Why is it kind of considered outdated? Which was especially true when I was coming up in the in the '60s and '70s. You know, in the bebop era, there was a whole thing of moving away from jazz entirely, and there are even I've read numbers of of, uh, of reviews from jazz viewers talking about how the violin just never makes it in jazz somehow. But it wasn't, you know, it's such an expressive instrument, and it uh, it was the instrument of choice in, for African Americans in the 19th century. Mm. It was African Americans who kept the whole uh, North American fiddle tradition alive as they were, you know, on plantations in the South. The, the uh, they were the servants, as you will, if you will, and and um, they often were the the people who who had played the violin. And it was when blues is what jazz developed out of in the late 19th century, when blues began to evolve in the uh, Mississippi Delta. A lot of the bands there really featured violin very strongly, and some even were the leaders of the bands. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny, if you will, that that. Um Say, say what's I guess known as country music now, or, or whatever that music would have been yeah. in the South. You know, retain the violin, retain the fiddle, right? Um, and then just sort of it just sort of fell away there. Yes, uh, I, I do think that. And to, to further push on yeah. with that, with with what the uh, uh, why the violin was con- what you know was was considered out of it. We mentioned the recording aspect of it, but and I've always kind of suspected when I looked into it too that. The part of the history that I just explained about the violin being very present and the, and violinists being kind of um, you know the uh, uh, being a violinist or a fiddle player was a was a, quite a uh, high ranking position you know, among uh-huh. enslaved people on the on uh, on the plantations. I think there was a certain amount of of turning away from it among black people because it, that you know that was kind of catering to the man, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's really sad that that's be- become that. I, I don't, I don't, it, it is true, too, that among black musicians, there were, at least until the, until the 50s, um, many jazz violinists around who, um, some of the greatest uh, players that you can name, you know, like, like, um, like Earl Father Hines is my favorite pianist mm-hmm. um, before the bebop era, and he played his very first recordings with a violinist, and he did a number of recordings with them, and yeah, and so on and so forth. It yeah. was. Um, a kid, do you play every day? I try and do that. Yes. Yeah, and and do you play any other instruments? Not really. I have played guitar and bass a little bit, but um, but. Uh, that's basically that's that's basically my instrument. Yeah. Um, what do you, what did you make of the the uh, uh, Grappelli and uh, Yehudi Menuhin collaboration? I guess would that start in the seventies or? Yeah, that, I, that was something really amazing to, to watch. I mean, I think if you listen to especially the earlier recordings along those lines, it's you know the, um, uh, it, it's kind of amusing to to fiddle players to to see how stiff um, Yehudi Menuhin was in that context. I think he did loosen up a little bit with it as, as time went on, but he obviously had tremendous respect for what yeah. uh, Grappelli did do. And, yeah, I, I think the, the uh, 
I think that too probably had a little bit to do with with the um, you know that that the Grappelli style turned towards that um, classical thing. I think was a, a little bit of a, a of a, a part of jazz aficionados of that time of the 60s and 70s who were looking at more progressive kind of stuff, um, seeing that it's kind of old fogey music or something like that. <laughs> but they were. They are delightful, nonetheless, and, and that's kind of true of Grappelli too. He is such an amazing, amazing player, and but yet in terms of jazz, if you're talking about you yeah. know the, the getting down and, and rocking, he's he's just so sweet and so you know uh, uh, European ultimately. Yeah, I think, yeah. That that it's uh, that I I understand why some people don't see it as being uh, uh, really uh, you know great jazz but it's great great violin playing that's yeah, for sure yeah. so so you can tell um listening to it uh which is with, who who's who i guess oh yeah yeah, the, yeah no no there's no doubt about it if you, i mean i think anybody could if you stop and really think about it yeah. about who has the and well probably has a very strong style of his own too that that um, you can almost always tell he's you know kind of he's so florid and and so um so facile with the, uh, with the way he he deals with improvisation that um, yeah. that it's uh, you know it's it's always a, a, an inspiration to hear and 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 very much Stefan Grappelli. Yeah, so uh, I, I listened to it on my phone uh, <laughs> and then I couldn't tell the difference. But then then I watched one video <laughs> of the two of them, the same song. In in like on a TV show, I guess, in, at the time, and uh-huh. then you, right away you could tell tell. And then and every time I listened to, to those albums, um, I could tell who was who. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you're no, right; it's it's delightful to listen to. You know, uh-huh. yes, absolutely. And th- there are a number of, of fiddle focused albums around that are kind of interesting to hear. Duke Ellington mm. made a recording with, you know, he had a. a fellow who doubled on trumpet and violin, Ray Nance, um, and uh, he w- and was in Europe at a point and had Stefan Grappelli and, and Sven Dosmussen, who we mentioned, the Danish violinist, join him for a, a recording that he calls Violin Sessions that's out there and available and really fun to listen to. But even there, you can tell who is who. They're all great violinists and have and have their own styles. I think that Sven Dosmussen plays viola on that one as mm. well. Yeah. Um, and, and what's it like um, uh, at Pyatt Hall performing there? It's a wonderful little hall. I um, I had kind of heard about it, and, and uh, I'd even seen some stuff. I think I, I saw a thing with Corey Weeds playing there uh-huh. during the pandemic on, you know, on, online. Online, yeah. And uh, but it, it's a it's a really wonderful little hall with with, with great acoustics, and I hope that uh, people turn out for these concerts. I was a little disappointed in ours. It was on Super Bowl Sunday, oh. uh, which <laughs> which was a, a distraction. And I um, and I had played the, the, this, a similar concert uh, before at in North Vancouver at the beginning in last September. So um, I think that both of those things um, affected a little bit. But we had we were played almost entirely different uh, different repertoire. I, it's been really fun. I've been you know. Part of this, um, the impetus for this concert series too, has been a Canada Council grant that I received, mm-hmm. and um, I, through that Canada Council grant, I've been able to 
to actually pay musicians to 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 um, rehearse, and so we've um, have a really wonderful band that that, uh, that I wish more people had heard. Last, a few yeah. Weeks ago there well, we'll definitely want to check out uh, March nineteenth uh, and and May seventh. It's it's a great time to three p.m. because I'm I've, uh, I'm I'm forty, but I, I I tend to nod off at night whether I'm watching a movie or a concert. And so many of us do <laughs> have that feeling, and it, it does. It also clears the decks for anything else. So there's nothing else particularly like that where you can do it. And I do think it um, actually it was Kay Meek who had me go with that time when I was doing North Vancouver, and I was really leery of it, but the uh-huh. more I, uh, I experienced it, the more I do find it to be a, a wonderful time to have, uh, you know, matinee concerts. Yeah, I think it was, um, I can't remember who it was, uh, Who uh, it was Arthur Rubenstein who, who insisted on, on performing at, say, three or four. Uh-huh. And, and because he, he felt that people didn't enjoy music as much, as, you know, they come home at, uh, from work and, and have to go to an 8 p.m. curtain, Right. Um, afternoon. I mean, I'm sold on these times, so it's, I'll look forward to, to seeing this. Uh, I so appreciate your time today, kid. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Well, thanks so much for having me, and uh, and I hope all your all the listeners out there will will come and enjoy these shows. I know both these uh, both these musicians, Lackey Cell and Mads Tolling, are just incredible musicians. And, and Mads, this will be his first time ever in Vancouver. He's uh, and he's a treasure that should be to be listened to. Oh, I should also mention yeah. that we'll be having, um, he'll be playing with the local group, Creology, with Miles Black and, and Bill Kuhn and, and um, Jody Prosnick. Um, and so that's a real all-star show, and I think it should be a, a, a fabulous evening, uh, afternoon. Absolutely. Thanks for this, Kit. Thank you. The website for tickets is at musickit.com. The uh, Jazz and the Violin series continues this Sunday, the 19th of March, at 3 p.m. with Lackey Sircell and his Roma Jazz Ensemble. That's 3 p.m. at Pyatt Hall. And then, of course, it continues May 7th with Mads Tolling, Sunday, May 7th, also at Pyatt Hall. Uh, with the website again, musickit.com. Kit Eckel, join me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plunder.